Welcome to OU Live. My name is Rabbi David Pardo. We have an interesting segment for you today. A lot of people are uh, spending more time with their spouses, with their loved ones, um, more than they literally ever have. So <laughs> um, I think hearing from, uh, from a power couple is interesting in any environment, but to hear from Rabbi Daniel and Rachel Krause um, in a world where a lot of us are trying to navigate um, intertwining our personal and work lives um, and our family lives and uh, everything all in one jumble is uh, particularly relevant. Rabbi Daniel Krauss is the Associate VP of the Birthright Israel Foundation. Rachel is a marketing exec in the world of real estate development, but they are both the co-directors of community education over at Congregation Kehilath Jeshrun at KJ over in New York City on the Upper East Side. So we're very excited to have them with us today. Dan Rabbi Daniel and Rachel Krause. Wow. Hello. What a background. Can we talk about that? The wall? The, wa the wall and the painting. Right, so they go they together so nicely. Stories. Um, they both have really fascinating, interesting stories. I'll tell one until the other. Okay. Uh, the <laughs> That's why we're doing this. Okay, amazing. Uh, the wall was actually here when the apartment came into um, into being for us. Um, it's That's really usually how it goes. You usually get it with the wall. You're not getting the benefit because it's really the texture that I don't know how much you're picking up on the camera. But I it's can like see that there's something. Yeah. Uh, I'm nervous to move the whole contraption of the camera we have here in the light, but it's it's <laughs> it, it's funky wallpaper. Behind this, I'm not going to take it off, is a gaping hole because the people Huge. before us had a big uh, flat screen TV, what we think was a flat screen TV, with these, you know, the two. It might have been a vault. It might have been a vault. That's a good one, actually. Ooh, we should check that out after. And that. for a couple of months when we moved in, we had the gaping hole. And what you can't see is the Shabbos table and the, and the feature kitchen that our family lives in every single day. Um, and the gaping hole. The was you're, doing, you're doing work now on your apartment? The feature kitchen of our home. Um, and basically this was like a $39. Yeah, this um, was like Wayfair, get me something in two days to cover the hole because I promised the Echel by Shabbat we would not be looking at a hole in the wall. That's gorgeous. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I feel like every, every week I, I ask my, like maybe I should put a globe here, maybe like a fern perhaps, something like to just liven up the room and it just stays this way. But that's, okay, what's the other story? Oh, that, I think that is the other story. One's the texture of the, the wall. The texture of the wall that it was there, and then the, the special pre-Shabbat arrival. But actually... Daniel, did you tell both of those stories? No, I, I, I think I set one up for Rachel. Um, but it's um, people comment, people like it. And it was a, it was a it's place literally over. like a, 30, a $39 Wayfair wall. It's amazing. Uh, well, okay, so... Pardo, that yes. in honor, I actually put on cufflinks. No! <laughs> That's how we do here, no tie. No, no tie. I don't think I've worn a jacket in 10 weeks, um, but in your honor as well. Uh, I only wear it on this show. <laughs> it's the only time. <laughs> People Zoom with me, by the way, like Zoom conferences, work-related, and I'll be like upstairs or outside. They're like, where's the set? Why aren't we on the set? Why can't we go to the set? You got to get invited. Not everybody gets to come to the set. We are honored. So honored to be on the set in your studio. The honor is all mine. I can't believe I'm in the presence. So listen, you guys, you are, you are many things, and we'll talk about that. And that's, that's kind of the interesting, you are many things independently. I've known 
Rabbi Daniel for many years in his, uh, in his role at the Birthright Foundation, um, now as the VP of Strategy. Uh, Associate Vice President of Strategic Partnerships, but it's okay. Associate to the Vice President? Uh, no, I thought I think it's a two in there, just Associate Vice President. <laughs> okay, but I remember you, you're a weed director. Um, but you're also, you're in, you actually share a job title. You share, you are the co-directors. We have four kids and we're both parents. Right, we share that title also. You share many titles. Oh, that's just so interesting. Yeah, and we're both directors of community education at KJ, Jasherin on the Upper East Side. So you, how did you start sharing a job? Most people, I, I want to tell you something you might not know. Most people are spending a lot more time with their spouses than they ever have. Yeah. Since like Shava Brachos. I know. There's a thing going around. It's causing people to stay at home a lot. So <laughs> I don't know if you know about it over in New York City. Maybe things are different. In New Jersey, it's like it's bad. But in New York City, maybe it's different. So most people are spending a lot more time with their spouses than they're used to. But you to have opted into sharing a one part of your career and not and not just the parenting part which most people share with their spouse so and when, when did that start because it, it actually began before we got married um when we got married back uh, a couple of years ago um before i was great um to blend with the wall um we um were both um i guess it also goes way back to the homes we grew up in and the values of our parents and what the, the modeling that they both played for us in a very separate setting. and actually goes back to how we met. That's a whole other story. Um, but we um, have the time. Maybe we'll get there. There actually are two different versions, so maybe we'll get there as well. Um, There's two but, versions. Oh my God. But I think <laughs> so it, after all these years, you haven't settled on one. All right. Oh, now, when it comes to this shared, sh shared work that we do, um, before we got married, we made a conscious decision that we want to both have careers in whatever direction they'll take us in whatever profession. Uh, we're still college students, um, but ultimately that we want to be living in a community and contributing to a community in some meaningful way. And that led us to a wonderful organization, the Manhattan Jewish Experience, where we spent many wonderful years in many, many varied roles before we uh, landed um, uh, the wonderful opportunity to be part of the team at KJ on the Upper East Side. Ed, share, yeah. distract. Is that, is that a, you, Rachel, do you agree to that story or does it? Absolutely. I think that for both of us, we, we are both passionate about our kind of career trajectories, but feel that the shared space that we have between us in terms of fostering and creating um, an ecosystem that, that fosters Jewish identity and connection to, to history, to lineage, to legacy, and to, to help create that environment um, for, for people. And originally, as Daniel mentioned, with MGE was within the younger uh, 20s and 30s in, in terms of a specific population and a subset of the broader Jewish community. Um, and now at KJ, with kind of a little bit of a, of a broader segment. Um, but we both feel like if we, have, if we have a love for it and a passion for it and an appetite for it, um, that's something that we can share and do together and something that we can, we can work towards creating something together. So we wanted to use that forum in addition to our outside careers. And just add, beautifully said, just consciously a place in which we'd want to model for our children. Um, um, and that's a whole other piece yeah, of this. Yeah, well. it, for sure. Meaning that you both went into communal work because you wanted to create the community that your kids would grow up in? So, no, I don't think we're both in communal work as a profession. Um, you know, I happen to work in the Jewish community and feel blessed to be part of one of the largest, you know, Jewish engagement organizations in the history of our religion. 
Um, but Rachel's in a whole different sector full time. So I'm kind of was in on the corporate on the corporate side of things. So for us also in terms of in terms of having the type of home type of ecosystem and, and broader community involvement and engagement um, where our kids can also be part of that value creation for the broader community. So it's like they they play they play an enormous role. Obviously, they're the center of our universe, the center of our lives. Um, but in terms of the the creation of that of that connective tissue and connectivity to feeling in love, inspired, and in awe of the magnificent community and broader community that we're part of, the legacy that we're part of, um, the heritage that we have, the richness of that, um, that it's not something that's just limited to our own table, that together as a family, it's something that we're, that we're sharing with the, with the broader community. When you started MJE downtown, was that a, a conscious, I don't wanna say conscious decision, but was it something you had in mind to be doing down the, down the line for decades? Or was it like, wow, let's try this for two years, see how it goes, and like, look at us now. Um, Still taking it six months at a time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I reflect on that um, often because I've been asked that question. Um, oh, okay, so well, I'm gonna try to get to unique questions later. <laughs> to frame it in that way, but I recently spoke to a group of uh, rabbinical students um, and they asked that question. I said, you know, I hadn't really, didn't really think about it when Rabbi Wilds came to us with an opportunity that he had uh, through a generous grant from a funder to open up a third location. They had the first location in the Upper West Side and then Upper East Side, and then it's called downtown, but really it was in Murray Hill. So if you actually speak to anyone who lives like in the village or Wall Street area, it's not really downtown, um, but it was, I guess, relative to the headquarters of the Upper West Side MJE. Um, and he came to us with this amazing opportunity that basically there's a, an amazing brand, an amazing scaffolding around how they did programming and a um, a vision and a mission that was successful on both the west side and the east side it was would you guys be willing to move in and open up this third location uh, we knew that in order for us to generate any uh, any success in any um, any community it's not something that we could commit to for six months a year but I don't think we ended up thinking that we'd be, stay there for as long as we did I remember meeting one of the um, you know one of the first things I did was meet all the community rabbis from all the denominations and I met one particular rabbi and who said, you know, like, this is my community and I'm, I'm here and I'm staying here. And, you know, I hope that, you know, when you move in and we build a connection and we share people and make referrals, that it's someone that, that, that you'll be around, you guys will be around forever. Um, and we're still in touch with all those people, but we, we, we sort of left, left, the, left the, uh, the organization formally. Uh, but no, I don't think we knew how long we'd be there. Yeah, I think we just, you know, taking things in strides and, um, and just following, following our hearts and following our... Uh, the opportunities where where they come and uh and that there isn't like a one-size-fits-all as daniel mentioned before like i think our our upbringings and the homes that we grew up in played an enormous role and continue to to filter that inspired role um i know i know for myself i'm constantly looking for sure with my, my in-laws and my parents um as sources of guidance and inspiration all the way through and my parents both um created in a home environment a community environment a career environment where they took just a collection of things that they loved and things that they they just wanted to explore and with kind of insatiable curiosity and use that as the frame and then just dive and just dove into life and just to experience what you know what what life has to offer so i think the same for us that nothing nothing kind of stands in the way in in terms of just being able to to you know follow that insatiable appetite um to stay curious to stay connected and and uh and to stay connected with with each other in in extracting each other's each other's strengths and being able to foster hopefully what we can create together rachel would you say that you're so uh, daniel your 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 career outside of kj is uh also jewish nature but would you say that your 
um, your career and what you did uh, downtown with the World Trade Center, would you say that's also part of curiosity and jumping in and, and, and squeezing the juice out of life and just learning, learning, learning? Is that also For part sure. of the trajectory or is that just a way to pay the bills? No, 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 for sure, for sure. And it's interesting um, because I, I almost kind of echo your initial question, which is, do you, did you imagine yourself doing this in terms of, Daniel, for both of us, in terms of this shared platform or this shared space communally? And, uh, and I would kind of echo that same sentiment because I never would have imagined my career would take me down that path. Uh, so I spent you know, 14 years in the real estate development space and worked in, in a whole different number of capacities and the marketing side on business development, uh, value creation, special global projects for the portfolio of assets uh, for the company, uh, and then had the incredible opportunity to take on World Trade Center and to lead the retail development project for that. Uh, and never in a million years would I have predicted that. But for me, uh, you know, getting up in the morning and getting out to the world to hopefully add value, to learn, to contribute, to build, to innovate, to create, to disrupt, to, you know, to, to, build something remarkable and to be part of something remarkable um, is kind of what keeps me going. And for me, there's a level of connective tissue between those two, those two professions, which don't normally intersect. So for me, to yeah, have how, how do you see that? What, what's, so, what's the overlap the or overlap the synergy? Yes. Yeah, love the word synergy. Uh, so for me, the, uh, the overlap is that my, my role for the past decade and, and a half um, in the real estate development space, was about understanding the underpinnings of what it means to create an environment through which people can come, can experience, can connect with each other, can shop, right? So we, you know, you kind of like, it's like Mad Libs, like insert your verb here. So it's, it's identical in terms of what we've been able to do and what we've been so privileged and honored to do um, for the past decade and a half, which is to be within the communal space, building something with kind of that same narrative, that same story arc, which is it's a place where people can come, they can connect with each other, with identity, with being together and facilitating an experience. And instead of shop, it's, you know, Jewish identity. And it's, it's to, to pray or to experience or to enhance uh, and to, to fall in love with, with who we are as a nation and who we are uh, and what we're part of. So, so for me, the, the story arc is the same. The narrative is the same. So one happened to, you know, manifest itself within the creation of amazing real estate and retail and space and experiences that were conducted in those spaces and, and, uh, or, or it manifests itself within the community space. Was there was there ever a moment where you're sitting in a um, I don't know like a board meeting or a, or like a planning meeting and you were, something like clicked and you're like you pulled something from your, from the business world and you're like this makes sense here that's oh. a hard question to answer because the answer could be no. No, 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 totally, totally. The answer is yes, and it's happened so many times where it, from both directions, like things that we've done communally that have gleaned and drawn from the wisdom of the corporate marketing, business development, real estate development space, and so many things. I mean, so many things, especially within World Trade Center, where, where I brought in strategic positions and initiatives that were absolutely drawn from Torah sources and Torah values. So that the, there's kind of this equilibrium dance that the two do so magnificently together uh, because these worlds represent the idea of connecting with people. And that's something that, that's certainly something that's trending in the industry. It's only moving more heavily in that direction, especially with you know, isolation and quarantining and, and being socially distant. Um, this idea of feeling connected to something is really, has really become the tip of the spear for brands, for marketers, um, for products industry, services industry. So, and that, that's really what, what everything coalesces around that lesson, those lessons and those value systems uh, that the Torah espouses. So for me, like the worlds have so much share, to share from each other and to glean from each other. 
so true, by the way. Meaning like the story, the story has been for, I don't know, like a good decade in this country that people are much more lonely than, than we let on. And I, I, I didn't think about it till now, but maybe the bracha of this whole insanity is that the story that was boiling beneath the surface just kind of reared, boiled over. And it's, it's obvious because it's not just physical, it's not just emotional uh, or, or uh, mental, it's very obvious physical. And we can just recognize the fact that people are lonely and begin to account for that. So I think there are many stories that have been bubbling beneath the surface. That is just one um, example. Um, but that can be said about so many different realities uh, that we're yes, exactly. on the home front, uh, whether the home front is a nuclear family of a spouse, a spouse plus child, spouse plus two children, whether it's a, a single individual, uh, a younger single individual, uh, an elderly uh, member of the community. There are so many things that have been bubbling that no one's had the time, the patience, the really the strength um, to bring to the forefront that we're able to actually share, um, articulate, grow, and, and, and heal as a country and as a community. Is that the other story? Or do you have, like, do you have this theory you're about to drop? No, <laughs> uh, no specific theory there. Uh, just that there's there's a lot that we're reading about, all the all the um, all the journals, all the articles. I mean, there's so much out there that we can glean from. Um, that's that's um, um, important for us to talk about and to and, and to realize. So interesting. I I always draw back to one specific example, one, one specific story in the uh, in the development of the World Trade Center. And there's there are many different parts of the project. Uh, many different stakeholders, private, public. So it's a, a fascinating kind of um, dynamic in terms of how that project came came into being. Uh, but in the in the building of, in the thinking of, and the building of and development of the 9/11 Museum and Memorial, um, there was one particular aspect that I I always come back to as being, I think, a, a tell-all for what we all need to be doing, and especially within the backdrop of what we're talking about in this time, um, drawing really significant, powerful lessons from this uh, from this particular narrative. And the story was that if you, if anybody's ever been, or if you've been to the um, to the uh, falls and to the to the um, plaza level memorial, there are etched the names of every single victim of the attacks of 9/11 is etched in, and the it's organized by by buildings. There was the North Tower and the South Tower, and by floor, every person's name. And what's fascinating is that the metal that they used around the perimeter of, um, of the falls, of the water, uh, was made out of a special kind of metal that does not heat up during the summer and does not get cold in the winter. It's a, it's a temperature-stable metal. And part of the reason to have that specific material, and the reason that that was used, was that they wanted people to come and touch the names. So not to feel like they could never, it was never, you know, uh, un inaccessible, and that the weather had, or any, any elements had any kind of, were any deterrent to be able to touch and to feel and to connect with the names. And I think specifically now, to your point, there's, there's a moment. There's a moment to pause and to approach and to appreciate where we are, appreciate the madness, the challenges that come with it, and also the silver linings that come with it. But that, only, that magic only happens in the pause. It only comes when you have kind of the, the cognitive awareness, the emotional awareness, the, the physical awareness to be able to come and to touch something and not be, not be distanced from any elements and not have anything standing between us 
and the raw reactions of what we're meant to feel and experience. So I always think about that metal. It's there because it's, a, it's, it's almost an invitation to say, don't be afraid to come close. Don't be afraid to touch. Don't be afraid to experience something that is sad, that is profound, that has, that, that's emotionally charged, that, is, that brings up memory and PTSD. There's so many, so many stories that are buried in every single every single etch of, of every single name um, and that we shouldn't be afraid to get close. Uh, and, and just thinking about that, that even this time that we're going through, we shouldn't be afraid to, to face the things that are challenging, challenging interpersonally, challenge, challenging intrapersonally, um, and, and to be able to use this time as a way to step close and to pause and to feel and to touch and to experience the inner places that are, that are really challenging to, to come close to. What are those places now? Like what, 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 in your role in the community, what are those things that people are afraid to touch and they shouldn't be afraid to touch? I think you touched on this earlier that a lot of people are finding themselves at home uh, more than ever before. Um, and maybe, uh, you know, you mentioned like more, since, since, since people had their Sheva breath on, they, you know, they're, they're all of a sudden stuck at home and that brings to the fore so many different um, pulls and, pull and, and, and pushes and pressures and different um, elements bubble to the surface around you know the roles that have to play at home and i know where many of us are, are dealing with you know zooming kids um and the lovely um who are on zoom yeah very respective of the technology yeah they're just flying around the house you know and balancing your your work obligations uh the needs to run a household um you know the, the functions of the household the, the the regular routine of the normal um elements of running a household the cleaning and the cooking and the shopping and the menu planning that happens uh, with throwing a Pesach and then throwing a Shavuos and then throwing the, the children for some and those that are without children and dealing with the, the loneliness aspect of being home alone, those that are unable to leave, leave their homes even in a safe, social, distant um, fashion. So I think when those, all those elements are, 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 you know, are, are bubbling around for people, that brings out a lot of real um, challenges when it comes to relationships, when it comes to um, how one uses their time, how one... Um, takes a break from one part of their life and, and switches on and switches off. And you now have to um, face those realities really every single day, either verbally with the people you live with and, and sort of articulate them and, and own them. And if you're not, you know, not living with anyone, then how do you have outlets for yourself when you're home alone? And I think people have sometimes run from those realities um, because they keep busy with everything else. And now you're stuck sort of staring at the mirror, so to speak, and they really are, are there and you can't escape them. Um, so that that's the elephant in the room. It has a spot at the oh. table now. Correct. And there's a natural cadence and rhythm and energy of the flow of anyone's natural day, whether it's starting your day, getting on a subway, move, move. there's a natural flow and rhythm um, to what we're used to. And we almost rely on, on that rhythm to keep us in tempo. And when that rhythm changes and we're left alone and we're left looking at ourselves in a mirror and we're left, um, you know, with time with a spouse, with a child that is just unnatural, how do we fill that space in a meaningful way? And how do we make sure that we, we understand that, you know, kind of the nuances and, and the cadence, the change in cadence and tone and rhythm and pace. Uh, and that, that is a huge challenge. We rely very, so often on that, on that scaffolding, on that, on that kind of infrastructure to be created for us. And, um, and now when that infrastructure is gone, we have to engineer that for ourselves. Uh, and, uh, and that takes a tremendous amount of introspection and retrospection and, um, and intellectual honesty and emotional awareness. And, and you know, in, in, if, if somebody is, has those skills, that's amazing. They need to be put to use. Sometimes it's sharpening those skills and sometimes it's acquiring new skills. 
So I think for every person that that kind of trajectory is uh, is different and has its natural ebb and flow. You two have been closer to this reality that the rest of us are being flung into. Uh, you two have been closer to it by choice for many years now. Um, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there are challenges and I'm sure there's a transition and I'm sure you desperately miss the subway. But even if you don't miss the subway, you miss your commute and um, and your, your kids are running around the, the apartment. Um, and now you're thinking like maybe New Jersey, I don't know, maybe uh, <laughs> North Jersey is not like as uh, disgusting as I thought it was before. Maybe having a backyard is uh, attractive. I'm going to call it friend Pardo. Um, but what are, what, are, what are sort of tools the rest of us need to learn from you about the, what you were able to manage in the before time? So I think I, I can only speak to what works for us. Uh, I don't know if we have what to, to, to offer the rest of the, uh, rest of the world. Um, but I think um, one key piece, you know, people have, have said from time to time, you guys, there's so much going on in the given, given week given month of your life, you know, your separate work settings, your familial uh, responsibilities, uh, your communal responsibilities, and how do you have time for A, B, C, and D? So I think one thing that's always been a, a sort of a, a Yaharik Valyavar element of, of our week and our relationship and our planning is the, the, the Sunday night uh, planning. Um, and it's sort of an alignment of the week ahead and sort of the month ahead and what's happening, who's doing what, and just making sure that everything has to happen is, is owned by somebody in a respective way. And that goes across the, the board to, to any element of, of the running of the household, to the responsibilities outside, to the teaching, to pastoral, to whatever it is, who's doing it, when's it happening, and just being fully aware and, um, and uh, I guess just um, upfront about all those things. Right, so because there are three Yahara Bayavors, so, so the first one is the, is the Sunday night planning, because it just, it maps out the week and just gives us both a sense of expectations and accountability. Um, that's number one, and the, kind of the shared the shared space. Um, but number two is dating religiously every week. That every week having nothing. You still do every week. Every week, and sometimes that's like it, a story it, I tell people. But like you keep it up every week. Every week, and I'm I mean I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes it's just like sitting on the floor in the living room eating Kit Kat. Like it's not necessarily like this. Oh, it's like, not like romantic, like you know. But but every week, no matter what, that there's there is a sacred there's a sacred space where it's not about what's happening. It's not about discussions about kids. It's not it's not anything other than just dating. And sometimes it's only thirty minutes, and sometimes or it's a quick walk. But that we have that touch point during the week. So that's the other. Um, of the second of the three. And the third one is that when Daniel and I first got married, we made this kind of commitment in, and also drawing from the business world and the corporate world that there is, you have performance reviews and you have accountability and you set goals and objectives in the beginning of your year and you have quarterly check-ins to see how you're mapping and how you're tracking based on the goals that have been set for you or the goals that you've set for yourself. So we do the same thing. We have quarterly check-ins um, based, on, based on things that we want in terms of our own growth and our own um, kind of, you know, spiritual or intellectual or, or emotional growth. So we each have like areas that we have identified for each of ourselves, areas in which we want to grow together. Um, and the things we want to, we want to accomplish. And we have quarterly check-ins where we, where we sit uninterrupted. We're not going to share our KPIs. No, right. Yeah. KPIs. I just want to know just, oh, on, the, on behalf of all the listeners, like did, did it ever happen that one of you got a raise and the other one was denied? 100%. Was it awkward? How'd you deal with that? There, the truth like is you did great this quarter like yeah i did 
Right, and no. I like, no, Help. no. <laughs> over, right, overachieved your objectives or like, you know, I'm sorry, you're on a performance plan. Um, yeah. But we, and we then you take like the book from the shelf, like hard conversations with your employees, you know. Exactly, or how to negotiate, right? <laughs> <laughs> those are always, those are always great. Um, but we have, so that there's a sense of like, that there's a sense of um, a fueled, intentional, purposeful, driven sense of growth. Growth really, oriented. Right, so that we know that we're, that we're not just, that we're not just living parallel side-by-side -side lives, but that there's a true sense of purpose, of initiative, of intention, that is really in everything that we're doing and to make sure that that keeps us honest with ourselves and on track so that if we know we set out certain goals um, to accomplish and um, again be that individual spiritual religious learning like there's there are different elements that make up that whole piece but that we have that quarterly check-in um, so that we know that we're, we're on track with what we want to accomplish individually and and as a unit and we're blessed to, to have had the um, amazing opportunity to work with many couples in their preparation for their wedding and journey with them to the chuppah. Um, and a part of our premarital sort of classes in counseling is to share some of these concepts. And it's amazing, you know, we all are products of the homes we grew up in and we bring in many elements of that into our home and into our relationships. But to share these ideas um, is just gives people a framework. Um, and hopefully, you know, it works for us, hopefully it can work for others. And there's an element of personalization in the process, but but that's for us that, that we I, I just we found that from the from the day we got married, just something that's so so useful. So those are the three Yaharov uh, Yaavor. I love <laughs> it. Planning weekly dates and uh, our quarterly check-in. I love it. Um, I watched yesterday the uh, uh, like really exceptional Vayichan program at Yeshivat Hotel. Um, still up on YouTube. Everyone can check it out. There was a uh, interview with the Tversky's. Um, so pieces of that. <laughs> David Lichtenstein asked, like, if you can, like, give me, like, a refresher from my chasen shmooze, like, because <laughs> I haven't been with my wife this much in the past, whatever, however many decades. That was very cute, the way to contextualize. Um, okay, switch, switching from Kodesh to Hol, uh, Daniel, can't not talk about how you mentioned you are, uh, you, you work for um, one of the most ambitious, uh, broad-scale, uh, uh, Jewish outreach identity. Um, uh, I'm not sure what the uh, other words I'm grasping for our project endeavors <laughs> in Jewish history um, that is premised on sending people on airplanes into pressurized metal tubes <laughs> to a country they're not allowed to go to right now. So how has uh, how has birthright um, evolved or responded or transitioned? Oh, a special guest. Good. We're up to. <laughs> Yeah. Initially, you were our first two-person panel ever. And now you're our first three-person panel. Say hi. Okay, we're gonna go get. We're gonna go get. Um, it's a great um, segue from your. Bring it back. I had I had questions for him too. Okay. Uh, that's Amiel Kraus. He'll come back. Um, yesterday's Vayichan program was unbelievable, and I, I don't. I don't assume anybody was able to watch all of the uh, shurim and schmoozes and sessions, and certainly we weren't able to watch everything. But just from a conceptual level, um, and Rabbi Tarragon really framed this in his introduction, um, just the ability to have so many varied um, Jews come together, mechanchim, Rashi Yeshiva, that often are siloed in many different um, hashkafic uh, worlds. Um, it was powerful and is powerful and is amazing. And I feel much of Birthright Israel is in that way um, uh, very similar because we are an engagement um, entity for the Jewish people. 
Um, we're blessed to bring close to 50,000 participants from 60 different countries every single year to Israel. And we also uh, are um, uh, a key unifier for the Jewish people. It doesn't matter where, what, how. Um, people are eligible, people come, and it's their birthright. So you mentioned these travel elements, the you know, plastic uh, metal tubes um, on, and, and traveling in small confined spaces. So as soon as the pandemic began, we took drastic measures to, uh, to halt all trips. And from March through July, we canceled all of our trips. Um, and that's close to uh, 25,000 participants that will not have their experience realized this summer. Um, our initial projections uh, for 2020 were 45,000. Uh, participants and we're now projecting forecasting about 12,550 for the remainder of the year um we i mean that's so assuming many, you pick up in august so august has not officially been cancelled um people forget that we operate in 68 different countries and there are opportunities for some of the europeans to perhaps um explore coming uh, in august and also the season winter season will hopefully resume towards the end of 2020 starts officially in October, November, and might, hopefully we'll be able to resume some trips then. We're modeling already scenarios for what it might uh, look like having socially distant um, um, trips, whether it's less people per bus, whether it's less people in a room, what that might look like, what that might cost. Um, but it's our goal to make sure that anybody who wants and um, has signed up for a previous experience or signed up for, for a future experience that will have the ability to take them and to give them this 10-day initiation into the Jewish people. Because the trip is just a, a, a pit compare to what we hope to build and what, they, thank God, the amazing uh, statistics and metrics have proven that is the pro amazing product of Birthright Israel. So we're hoping that we can continue that. It's going to be very different. We're also um, taking a very active role in the Israel Travel Alliance um, world. Um, it's an amazing uh, element that's happened because of COVID. Uh, the unification. It, it, Israel Travel Alliance, is that an I mean, that I thing? that name, but it's an amazing, um, one of those silver linings that we referenced earlier, but in a different context, how there's active discussion within all the organizations that bring groups to Israel, whether it be Birthright Israel, um, NCSY, um, whether it be Honeymoon Israel, ITREK, um, Masa, right. everyone working together to share resources, to look at standards, to make sure that when we can get back on the ground in Israel, that we're doing so as a collective unit, utilizing the same language, utilizing the same resources, and as the largest in the space, uh, we're playing a leadership role there, which is uh, very humbling. It's fascinating. Um, silver lining, indeed. Um, so the, it, it could be that the, the trips are going to continue, they're going to be smaller, they're going to be different, meaning it could just be that, the, like everyone else is talking about uh, a new normal, that that's what's going to be also. So in response to not having people go in March, May, June, and July, uh, we have certainly engaged them in different ways. We can't bring them to Israel. How can we uh, give them a touch of Israel, a tease of Israel? How can we be actively um, engaging them, but not replicating the experience, because you can't replicate being in Israel. Not substituting. Right. Um, also, piquing their interest. A lot of them have signed up to go next year. Um, so, but yeah, we have absolute faith that we'll be able to bring people back to Israel in a, uh, in a safe way. Um, Whenever that's whenever that's possible. Amazing. Uh, you know, we have ruled out um, any flights with stopovers, uh, which was a common way for people to get to Israel. So we operate throughout North America and have different hub cities. Hubs. That's not going to happen anymore. We're going to be direct flights only. Um, it's always does that mean you're Does that mean you're cutting out Charleston or what is that? 
it means that you're going to have to figure out a way to, um, to bus over to New York, let's say. And we're going to, you know, whatever it takes. Um, Israel hotels have already said they're not going to be offering the amazing, famous buffet breakfasts. They can do it right to go. It's over? It's over? Wait, forever? <laughs> um, birthright Israel will commonly have three, um, you know, in a room. So what does that look like? What is the cost going to be? You know, what are the cost increases going to be? So lots of different models about all those different elements to make sure that the program that was so successful and, and can, can be delivered in an authentic yet socially distanced safe way. So the breakfasts are gone forever? I hope not. What is it? Like, what? <laughs> my God. There's so many things to mourn and like some of them are much more serious than others, but can you imagine having to tell your kids there used to be a thing called Israeli breakfast? It, in it, hotels? It, It'll come back. It'll come back. Just imagine how good it will look if everyone gets a little box with everything that was available at the buffet breakfast. I don't know. No, I disagree. Part of the experience is like, is the fight, you know? You earn it. It's something sure. primal about it. I don't know. Uh, I remember the times before 9-11, you know? I, I remember actually when 9-11 happened, I just mo uh, moved back to America from Israel. My family made Aliyah, long story. We made Aliyah, we made that we wanted to have the full experience. And then I remember in class, um, we were discussing how, how kids felt about uh, people walking around, uh, 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 officers walking around the airport with uh, submachine guns or automatic rifles, um, and like how dangerous that made them feel. And I remember, th I remember thinking, like, am I allowed to say that I feel very comfortable around people walking around with assault rifles? That's, I'm used to, that's, Thank God that like the good guys have, wait, I'm, I'm confused. I didn't want to raise my hand. I didn't want to out myself as the weirdo. <laughs> so anyway, well, there's definitely going to be parts of this where we're going to tell our kids about the before time and how things used to be. We actually, uh, we, speak, we speak about that yeah. with our kids um, on Shabbat. Um, was it last week, the week before? Yeah. We asked the kids at dinner. We said like, imagine that you are the grandparents and you were telling your kids what it was like to live through this experience. Our kids range from uh, three to 11. Um, and we each, we heard from them, like how they would explain to their grandchildren, um, what it was like and what, what they miss and what they, what they felt was a positive gain. And it was fascinating, fascinating um, and beautiful. Yeah. Are you allowed to share any of the, uh, any of the takeaways or do you have like a policy against, uh, outing your kids in public? No, um, no policy. We yeah, can share. Yeah. Um, they miss the interaction with their friends. Um, they love the fact that we're able to have family dinner every night and we're consistently at week 10 or 11 where we're sitting every night together. No one's rushing out to give a class. No one's rushing out to a meeting. No one's running to the other room to get dressed, have a shower, to, to put on a suit, to go back out to a, to, to a, to a dinner or an event. Uh, that we're home as a nuclear family um, every day, um, that we're spending a lot more time together. That was sort of a theme that, that, that reverberated through everybody. Um, and a real appreciation for for what that means to be surrounded by family. And one one said he doesn't. He's so happy he doesn't have to wear pants to school. <laughs> that a boy. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> you never realized that's something he was struggling with, and that you know it just really, came out. He's like, I roll out of bed and I put on a shirt, and I'm at school. <laughs> um, one one child, cross uh, child, said that they love. I have a sort of. Like, I try and take one of them individually. Um, to shul on Friday night or Shabbat afternoon. Um, Shabbos morning, we're all there, but Friday night's either one um, and it rotate. And they miss that. They miss that unique time. They miss going to shul. They miss getting a bracha from Rabbi Lukstein. They miss um, just being being one-on-one -on -one time. 
um, but they quickly said, but they loved having family Kabbalah Shabbat together um, and davening at home. So sort of it was a nice balance of, of, of yeah, everything. Yeah. Of things that were hard and things that are amazing. And the script is still being written. Yep. Story continues. It sure is. Uh, definitely don't even know what uh, two weeks from now looks like. Um, hot debates all over New Jersey and New York City. New York so, City. So, um, final parting thoughts for, for people who are uh, joining us. They want to he- learn from a power chinuch couple. Uh, people are doing it together who are uh, sharing their careers. People who are now uh, together um, and would like to be a little bit more apart. I'm trying to understand um, how you guys do it and, uh, and what that looks like. What are some final thoughts for us? So that we mentioned the three Yaharik Valyavors, um, but I, um, I think for us, um, one element that really uh, works is uh, live and die by the calendar um, and planning and communication. Um, and they seem like buzzwords, but they're very real and they're very important. Um, and um, being on the same page about many things, uh, being able to share differences, but being united um, and understanding each other um, and the calendar is key. Um, the reality now is a little different um, that we're all home um, and we're all in the same space, but the, the calendar becomes key. Um, I think um, having a mission statement and, and a plan for the family about, well, about you know, what, what you're trying to do together, whether you're home, whether you're uh, raising children, as in what are you working towards together? And I think uh, for us, a big, kind of a big driver, um, are the are the experiences together and the shared the shared spaces that become not just about muscle memory and memory pieces, but that become so foundational to who we are um, as individuals and as a family and as a community and, and broader. Uh, so so for us, that's kind of a, a big that's a, a huge part is like building building around um, rituals and experiences that that really drive and spark the human condition, which is about that kind of sense of curiosity, that sense of drive, um, always wanting to grow and not only wanting to grow, but having having the right resources and the right scaffolding and the right infrastructure to help always foster that sense of direction um, and to be able to provide those pieces for ourselves and for our family um, and for the community to be able to, to kind of use those use those supporting pieces um, as a way to continuously drive our um, our growth orientation forward. Rachel and Rev. Daniel, uh, people want to find you online. They want to uh, connect with you. They want to learn more from you. Where do they do that? Um, so I, it's a good question. Uh, I guess, I guess Twitter for me. Finally, um, a good question. It took a while, but, uh, but no, no, no. Twitter. I, I, well, the next question is, what are you drinking? You have this like gargantuan gulping cup. Um, okay, so <laughs> it's it's usually tea. It's usually like a little something. Cause I'm a I'm a I'm an energetic extrovert, but not at you know nine thirty. It it's it's hard. But uh, this this is actually coffee. This is but it's iced coffee. Long time viewers of the show will recognize that I switched from a mug to a cup. And the, the color of the cup blends with the background on purpose? Intentional, or? for sure. It's actually, do you want to know something? This is actually a green cup and a green screen, but the, the technology is, ah, joking, okay. Um, you know, this, this is a real wall. This is the color <laughs> of the wall. Um, I've seen that hand grab back to the wall. <laughs> it makes a feature each, each show. Um, so I, am an, I, I like to play in the Jewish Twitter field. Um, it's a great space. I think it's a wonderful tool. Uh, for engagement and also for for news and content. Uh, So Twitter has been a place that that I've been active in. 
Um, I dabble in a bit of Instagram and Facebook, but um, you know, I, I think they're, they're, they're the places. Uh, we're all contactable online as well. Um, yeah. Email addresses on KJ website. Um, but yeah, where else? That's, yeah, that's we also use snail mail. Rachel was recently on the Daily Dvar. Proof. Mm, yeah, which was a huge, huge privilege. So thank you to, to the OU and the community for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Nothing to do with me. <laughs> uh, I'll take the credit. Um, Rachel, Daniel, it was such a pleasure having you on. Thank you guys for coming. Thanks for making the time. Thank you thank so much you. for having us. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. All right. A lot of great takeaways. Listen, it's, uh, it's Monday night, the week of, it's Monday night Memorial Day weekend, but it's not just Memorial Day weekend. We're also kicking off the Shloshet Yemei Hagbala. Shavuot is right around the corner. I want to let you guys know about something that we've been working on for a little bit of time that I think can really transform your Shavuot experience called Sinai at Home. Most people make the most of Shavuos by moving from shear to shear staying inspired with the next great speaker and drinking all that free coffee. But not this year. And, come Chag, there won't be Zoom Shirem either. What will we do with a Zoomless Yontif? Take a minute, and we'll give you a whole night of learning. Sinai at Home is a one-of-a-kind opportunity to learn from some of the greatest teachers, leaders, rabbis, rabbitons, and scholars from around the world, all in one night, all from your home. Browse the site, hear a short explainer of the Makor Sheet, Select the shigurim you want to learn Shavuos night, and print out one unified packet that will keep you up till daybreak. Learn by yourself or with your family. Make this year the best Shavuos yet. Find us at oe.org slash Sinai. There's now over 70 different materials, items, learning packets that you can use to customize and build your own adventure on the site now and literally adding as we speak. So mm -hmm. a lot of good stuff. Check it out. Make the most of it. Send us your feedback, OULive at OU.org. Um, God willing, Wednesday night, we'd like to, we're actually planning to have conversations with some of the presenters. So come back Wednesday night, 9 p.m. for that. And we'll see you, not virtually, but spiritually, Thursday night, Shavuos. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great night.